welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, my name is Micah, if we have not met. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken. Very glad that you're with us. Um, if you are new, happen to be new to Awaken, we'd love to know that you are with us. So in the seat pockets in front of you, there's a card you could fill out. You can also go to our website, awakenwest7th.com, and fill that out. That'll come back to us. Somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice. Uh, those cards, if you fill them out today, or any tithes or offerings that you might have, can go in the black boxes. There's one at each of the exits. Um, in particular, those offerings help make lots of things happen at Awaken, including Trunk or Treat, which happened last weekend. So well done, Awaken. Way to go. To those of you that hosted a trunk, um, it was a very sweet day of loving on our neighbors and our kiddos around here. Um, capped off by uh, a five-year-old who there was a karaoke trunk, which was very ingenious, you know, full-on karaoke trunk. Um, a five-year-old proceeded to request All That You Can't Leave Behind by U2, and then sang the whole song, uh, and really, really nailed, put the nail in the coffin with Let It Go from Frozen as the, the capper. It was just fantastic. Full, dramatic presentation and all, with a, like falling on the ground at one point. It was awesome. So um, uh, we'll, that was lots of fun. So thanks for helping make that happen. A um, couple things we want to let you know about that are coming today after this gathering. There is a kids' community lunch at St. Paul Tap right over here on Jefferson. So if you've got young kiddos and um, are here and hungry, you all can head over there. Lots of space in that restaurant for young people to run around. And um, if you don't have kids, that's fine too. You just want to have lunch and meet some new people. There, are, there will be people at St. Paul Tap gathered there for lunch. Uh, and then there is a partnership class coming, uh, starts next week, the 12th, and then on the 19th as well. Uh, what churches often call membership, we call partnership at Awaken. Um, so if you're interested in that, that is happening. That's two classes right after the gathering, 12, and 12 to 1.30, and we'll serve lunch at that. So if you can sign up and let us know, that would be great. Um, last but not least, I want to invite Ellie and Tom, who are going to share a little bit about uh, IAFR, International Association for Refugees, and Jonathan House one of our missional partners, so if you would welcome them, that would be great. Good morning. Um, I am a staff member with Jonathan House, which is one of the partners of Awaken. Uh, Jonathan House is a project of the International Association for Refugees, which Tom will talk about in a moment. Our project was founded in 2017 to reach the asylum-seeking population that exists in the Twin Cities. Um, our project is focusing on shelter, offering welcome community, practical assistance, and connecting people to community resources that exist in the metro area. It's the first project of its kind that exists here in St. Paul and Minneapolis. Um, but we see the need growing year after year. Last year, we had 155 inquiries from 27 different countries, and we were only able to house 12 of them, which is about 5%. And so it is our hope to be able by 2025 to double our capacity, but we're only able to do that with the local church, and in fact, we want to do that with the local church. I'm really here to say a big thank you for being in partnership with us at Jonathan House. 
Specifically, I want to say thank you for um, some supplies that were purchased for our three houses back in August. As someone who tracks our supplies and goes to Costco, it is a blessing not to worry about how much toilet paper we have every week and every month. Um, and I hope you're able to see that your partnership is helping the stability of our program that benefits the residents that live within our houses. It's been a really, really encouraging fall for some of our residents. One of our elders in our houses, she won an award for studying 1,500 hours of English, which is almost unheard of for a later in life English literacy learner. Another resident recently won his asylum claim after four years of waiting. Um, and from a, yeah. He'll be so happy to hear your happiness for him. Um, from a judge who told him he has a 92% denial rate, which is just such a blessing. Um, and last week, we also had a resident who recently started a nonprofit with one of our volunteers for driving assistance because he saw there was no one helping other immigrants and also under-resourced people learn how to drive, including himself, so he started the nonprofit. Um, so that's just a glimpse at the resilience and just amazing people that we have within our community. But we wouldn't be able to run our program without our partners. So again, thank you so much. You are really a partner in hope. And if you want to learn more how to continue to be a partner in hope, please talk to me after the service. I'd love to hear or answer any of your questions. But I'll hand it off to Tom. Thanks. You can also hit that QR code up there and learn more. Um, IAFR has been working with refugees and asylum seekers and internally displaced people internationally since 2009. You guys are a wonderful partner with us and, and we're just so grateful. We, we're going to have a, a wonderful event called Strengthening Hope that's going to be right here on Thursday evening. Doors open at 6.30. Program will start at 7. And among other things, we're going to hear a story from a refugee who has resettled here. He'll be telling his personal story about um, his experience. But we'll also be blessed with the music of Sarah Groves and band, our own Sarah Groves. So she'll be here as well. And you can get tickets. It is a fundraiser, so we are selling tickets. Um, and, and we won't put a lot of pressure on anybody or anything else, but it does take money to do this kind of work internationally. So you're invited. Every one of your friends is invited until tickets sell out. So please pass it on, and we hope to see you then. You can go to IAFR.org, so IAFR.org, and you can get tickets through a link there. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, one of our missional partners, there's a new... Um, art installation in the back on, in the gallery, which shows all of our missional partners. So if you haven't looked at that, I encourage you to take a look. I'm super grateful for the work you guys are doing. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the Psalms, right uh, at about Psalm 120 uh, for our series this morning, which is wrapping up. In 2003, I read a book called A New Kind of Christian. Uh, it's by a guy named Brian McLaren. And that book began a journey in me. People always ask, like, Micah, what happened to you? <laughs> Well, that book actually was, was one of the first kind of, as I look back on my experience and kind of transformation as an adult Christian in the world, um, that book was the beginning of it. And it was a process by which I was invited to kind of 
take some furniture out of the house of faith that I had built, and I call it my theological yard sale, where I brought everything out of the house and started investigating it and asking questions about it. Do I really believe that anymore? Or why do I believe that? Or I don't think I can believe that anymore. Um, And so uh, a lot of things I let go of. Nobody bought any of the things I was selling, unfortunately. Um, But I did decide to keep some of the things, right, and bring them back into the house, of which I now inhabit, and most days I'm quite, I'm quite happy to inhabit a, a faith and a spiritual life that I can breathe in and that is hospitable to me and hopefully my, my partner and my family and my neighbors and the people that know me. Um, this process of taking things out of our life of faith and investigating and interrogating them at times and asking them hard questions is an important and, and I think a lifelong journey that we are on as people of faith. And so this idea of putting things back into our houses of faith is the point of this whole series that we've been doing. It's called the the Formational Targets of Awaken. And the goal is I want to try to offer, I want to help as a pastor and as a leader in our community to give you things to to think about and and a framework to think about what does a a, a spiritual life that's alive and thriving and moving and deepening in in maturation, what does that look like and what does it include? So these six... uh, Targets are the things that we are aiming at, and this has been this series. So we've looked at liturgy, listening, learning, community, impact, and today we'll look at pilgrimage. But just for review, if you haven't been with us, liturgy is about the commitment to our life together, gathered as the church, um, and our sacred rhythm of life together in in a calendar year, which we are coming up on the beginning of again in the season of Advent, if you are not familiar with the church calendar. Um, Listening is about the, the internal work of discerning God's voice and my own voice and learning to hear them so that I can recognize them. Jesus says the sheep will know my voice because they know the shepherd. Do we know God's voice for our own lives? Um, Learning is about this lifelong commitment that we make to growing and expanding. And a, a huge important part of that is naming and knowing the lenses through which we've come to know and understand our world, of which we all have, right? There is no view from nowhere. Community is this commitment to, uh, and this idea that God is uh, trinity and relational in essence, and we are created out of that and for that. And so we move towards being known and knowing one another in deep and committed friendship and relationship, right? Community. And then impact. Last week we talked about, you know, this is where our hands meet the world's needs. This commitment to um, partnering with God and investing our time and talent and resources in the things that God is up to in the world. Right? So, that's where we've been. Uh, today, we're going to talk about pilgrimage. And this is the ultimate, the final. Um, somebody asked me last week, what does penultimate even mean? It means the one before the ultimate, right? It's one of my favorite words in the English language. So I use it every time I can. There you go. The penultimate. So today is the ultimate, it's the final, and we're going to look at Psalm 122 to sort of set the table for us. So I would invite you to stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the word, and then we'll jump in. The psalmist writes this, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compact together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. 
For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Pray with me if you would. God, this morning as we read and listen to this psalm, it even seems ever more appropriate to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and of Israel and the Middle East and our world that we find ourselves in. Um, I pray that as we spend time thinking about this idea of pilgrimage and this practice that we avail ourselves to in hopes to grow in faith and deepen in, in maturity, that you by your spirit would speak a word of encouragement and hope and restoration to us and for us and over us. I pray in the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit, the church said together, amen, amen. You may be seated. Um, I'm guessing that of all of those six targets that were on that graphic, that pilgrimage is probably the most unfamiliar to us. It was to me, um, and it's because I really wasn't taught much about pilgrimage. So this is the beginning of an exploration for us. I want to try to do some work this morning about what is this thing called pilgrimage. Um, lest you think that this is merely a product of my recent fascination with the Camino in Spain, this, this trail of pilgrimage, um, I want to start by reminding you that pilgrimage is actually baked into the scriptures that we read. Um, maybe we just haven't had eyes to see it. Abram and Sarai go on pilgrimage in Genesis 12 from one land to another, called by God. Jacob goes on pilgrimage, leaving his family and his brother who wants to kill him. So it's a forced pilgrimage of sorts. Uh, but he returns home, right, after an encounter with God. The Israelites went on pilgrimage every year. Three times a year would go at Passover and Shavuot and Sukkot. And they would make their way from the outskirts of, of Israel up to the city of God, Jerusalem. And in fact, this psalm that we read is one of 14 in the psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. If you've never been to Israel, the valley of Jericho is down here where the Dead Sea is. And to get to Jerusalem, you have to go all the way up this very large hill. And so as they would, the pilgrims of, Jerusalem, of Israel would sing these songs on their way up to the city of God in Jerusalem. Um, Jesus himself uh, went on pilgrimage, 40 days in the desert, right, being tempted, to return back to his hometown in Nazareth. The Magi and the shepherds were coming up to Christmas. They went on pilgrimage to see the Christ, uh, Paul went on pilgrimage all throughout the Mediterranean and planted new churches. Peter, in his, in his letter, calls the believers pilgrims when he says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. While pilgrimage is maybe um, familiar to other faiths, thinking of, of Judaism to Jerusalem and, and um, Islam to Mecca, um, Christianity, it has been a part of our story all the way back to the first Christians after Jesus. Um, and, and, and like some things, many things in Christianity, goes back to Constantine, if you remember that guy. The emperor of Rome converts to Christianity in 312. And when he does, he brings with it this um, love for and appreciation for kind of sacred sites. One author writes this, Constantine brought to his new faith concepts of sacred places and sacred buildings derived from the Roman and Greek pagan religion. Although he never visited Jerusalem, he instituted an extensive building program, which now we have the benefit of at churches like uh, the, at the Tomb of Christ in the Mount of Olives in Bethlehem. So the Holy Land kind of emerges post-Jesus as a destination people go to because of this building in some ways. One of the earliest uh, works that we have of a, of a pilgrimage is a woman in about 350 AD who makes her way to Jerusalem and sees these sites as a way of practicing her faith and following of Jesus. So, 
It's a part of our story. It's just kind of fallen out of favor or popularity within the last few hundred years. I want to try to bring it back because I think it matters. And I think it has a lot to teach us and inform us about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in, in our world and in our day. So here's what I want to do today. I want to try to define pilgrimage uh, historically and at Awaken, right? We've had a, a, a definition for each of these words. And then I want to try to give you a lens through which to see and understand pilgrimage. I'm guessing that you've been on one. Maybe you just didn't even know it. And then I want to uh, close with some of my observations. As this has become a part of my life and practice in the last five to six years, what are some of the things that I've learned along the way? I want to try to offer those to you. So here we go. Pilgrimage. The definition I'm working with is as follows. An intentional spiritual journey to a significant location where there is a sense of invitation, leaving, an encounter, and returning. We'll come back to that. Another, um, there's, a, there's a center for Christian pilgrimage in, in Europe, and they write this. Uh, a Christian pilgrimage is a journey to a significant place made with intention of encountering God in Christ, and it encourages engagement with the surrounding landscape, offering space to reflect and to pray. One other author, a guy named Eric Howell, says pilgrimage is a journey nearer to the heart of God and deeper into life with God. The hope is that it is realized when we have renewed eyes to see Happily be surprised by God's mysterious presence at all times and all places, even at home. So a couple of ways people have described pilgrimage. Let's come back to ours, what we're going to work with. An intentional spiritual journey to significant location where there's a sense of invitation, leaving, and encounter, and returning. Two different people could leave from the same place. They could go to the same place and return to the same place, and one of them is a pilgrim and one of them is a tourist. Right? What's the difference? What's the difference? That's what I want to try to unpack. And this is my, my working. This is my definition. My, my, uh, these are my ideas. You can disagree with them, but um, I'm finding there to be wisdom and truth in it. So I want to suggest this movement as a way to understanding the difference. And that movement is invitation, leaving, an encounter of some kind, and then a return. So first... Um, I want to dispel, before we work that out, I want to dispel a myth that maybe you have that a pilgrimage has to be huge. It has to be epic. It has to be grand. It has to be you getting a passport or going to the passport you know, station and filling out forms so you can leave the country. And I want to say pilgrimage can be that. Camino, uh, Santiago is a beautiful place. Jerusalem is beautiful. Iona, if you've ever been there, it's a lovely place. People pilgrimage to those places, and if you ever get the chance, you should. But it doesn't have to be that. It can be as simple as a retreat that you take to northern Minnesota. It could be a cabin in the woods. It can be to Iowa. You can take pilgrimage to Iowa, you guys. If you have the eyes to see it. If you're open. I got people shaking their heads. That's debatable. It's debatable, Micah. If you have eyes to see it, if you're open and awake, pilgrimage is possible anywhere. You could see this act that you are participating in right here and right now is pilgrimage. You have sensed an invitation from God to come and worship with God's people. You've left your life, your vocational life, your Monday through Friday life, and you've made your way here, hopefully, for an encounter of some kind, maybe with God, maybe with yourself, maybe with your neighbor, maybe with this space, and then you will return. And you could experience your weekly rhythm, your weekly commitment to liturgy as a little mini pilgrimage. Right? So it doesn't have to be big. I want to 
If you're thinking this is out of reach, it's not. It's really actually quite simple. So let's look at this movement. Invitation is the first. I believe pilgrimage always begins with invitation. I don't know what God's voice sounds like to you. This is part of our listening, right? We're learning to hear what God's voice sounds like. For me, it's often a surprise. You know, it kind of catches me off guard. It feels like a little zap. You know, if you've ever stuck your finger in a light socket, that's, whoa. For me, that's what God's voice sounds like. I don't know what it sounds like for you, but whatever it sounds like, whatever it feels like, however you experience that, pilgrimage is a spiritual practice that begins with invitation. In her book called The Soul of a Pilgrim, the author writes, the pilgrimage journey always begins with a call. Sometimes we're thrust on that journey unwillingly, and sometimes we are asked, but we always choose how we respond. So I want to begin with this first movement of invitation to just pause and ask a question like, do you assume that's what God is interested in doing? Inviting you, prompting you, leading you, guiding you deeper and further into the mystery that is the divine. Is that what God is up to? Is that what you think God is like? And if you do, then you have the possibility to be open and awake to, oh, this is the kind of thing God likes to do. And so now I'm tuned into that a little bit more than maybe I was before. It begins with an invitation. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Are your eyes and your ears and your heart tuned into what that might sound like for you? Do you assume that this is what God is interested in doing? So first, invitation. Second, leaving. Every pilgrimage has a leaving of some kind as part of it. You think about the hero's journey or the heroine's journey, right? They're, they always have to leave. We were on a, a learning lab, that, the second of which will be tonight, with Randy Woodley, an indigenous leader. And he talked about the vision quest among indigenous people. There's always leaving. And leaving puts us like right in the nexus of very important uh, spiritual and um, emotional questions, right? When we have to leave someplace, we have to ask some questions. Um, it, it, it invites us to ponder some very important questions. So here's an all play. Um, when you're invited to leave something, what are some of the things you're pondering when you're thinking about leaving something? Go ahead and shout some of them out. Love to hear what's in the room. What do I bring? How long will I be gone? Yes. How should I go? Ooh, what am I going to miss? Say it again. What will I bring back? Somebody up here. Am I ready for the unexpected? Is it safe? That's a great question from the Chronicles of Narnia. Remember that one? Is he safe? No. He's a lion for crying out loud. But he's good. Sorry, I'm way off. These guys are just like, this is great. Somebody put a quarter in that guy. Say it again. Is there anything to do along the way? Yeah. <laughs> Say it again, brother. Who's going to watch the kids? Yeah. When you have to leave somewhere, you are at a very rich moment for the spiritual life. What am I going to pack? Do I really want to carry that? Like, literally, when you're going on a walk and you have to carry everything with you, every ounce counts, I like to say. So, like, you realize once you're out there, oh, I really actually didn't need to bring that. 
I thought I did. Turns out I didn't. Metaphorically, do I really want to carry that anymore? Do I want to leave that? Leaving actually creates a threshold moment, right? Where you have to step from one place to another in order to leave. The Celts call this a liminal space. Where what has been is dissolving and what will be has not yet emerged. That is pregnant with possibility. My friend calls it an ecotone, right? Where the ocean and the land come together, where the forest and the meadow meet. When you leave, you have to cross over. Did you know that the Hebrews in the Bible, Hebrew in the Hebrew language means to cross over? So leaving is an absolutely critical part of this experience. So you're invited, you have to leave. One of my friends on my Camino, this last one, said, Micah, you, have, you can't be found if you're never lost. So on this day, when you're walking alone, maybe get lost so that you can be found. I would say the same about leaving. You can't come home if you never leave. So invitation, leaving. Third, there's an encounter. I think on pilgrimage, there's always an encounter. And I don't want it to, I want you to move beyond the obvious of, oh, you have a spiritual encounter, right? We're in church. Let's talk about God. The answer has to be Jesus. Okay, yeah, possibly. You may have an encounter with God. You may have an encounter with yourself. Where the veneer and the, var- you know, the, 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 the mask, where you see clearly to, to encounter, according to the definition, I love this one, to come upon face-to-face. To come upon or experience, especially unexpectedly. When you have an encounter, it may be with God on pilgrimage, but it may be with yourself. It may be with your neighbor. It may be with creation. Some people would say that the first word of God is creation itself. So there is often an encounter on pilgrimage. So you're invited to go. You leave. You have an encounter. And then you return. There's no pilgrimage if you don't return. That's just like relocating. (laughs) Pilgrimage is different. Think Jacob returns home to his brother Israel after he encounters God and walks with a limp. Jesus returns to his hometown The prodigal son returns humble and ready to receive the love of the father. Dean of Christ Church, a guy named Christopher Lewis, writes, Just as the journey outwards and the destination are opportunities for spiritual growth, so the return home must offer integration and the putting into practice the insights while gained whilst away. Try to use that in a sentence this week. Whilst. When we go on pilgrimage, this is a journey that we take alone and for ourselves. Right? I went on this pilgrimage with this group of guys, and while I was with a group of people, this was for me. This was my journey. We would, our, one of our taglines was, your Camino is your Camino. Your pilgrimage is your pilgrimage. I can't walk yours, and you can't walk mine. So when you go on pilgrimage, it's for you, and only you can do it. And while that remains true, the returning, we, we bring back the transformed versions of ourselves, the impacted versions of ourselves for the benefit of the community. Why is the vision quest important? When the, when the person returns, it's for the benefit of the community, right? While I was sent by a group of people, while I walked for my wife and my kids and my community, it was my journey, but upon my return, who benefits from that, my experience, hopefully, those closest to me, those near me. 
So it's this, it's this balance, right? It's this, this, uh, this paradox, this dialectic between it's a very solo, individual experience, but it is always for the benefit, upon return, always for the, the benefit of those I'm in community with. I would also say about return, like pilgrimage is not real life. You know what I mean? It's like camp. When you go to camp and you have that like mountaintop experience and you're sitting there on the campfire and you're crying on Friday night and you're like, oh my God, this is so awesome. I love you. I love the Lord. I want to devote my life to him. And then you come home on Monday and you're just like, well, what happened, you know? Like, yeah, that's it. You can't live there. You have to come home. You can't live at camp. It's not real. It is and it isn't. You know what I'm saying? You can't live on the mountain. You, you got, like, work to do and people that you're responsible to and for. And that's real life. Sorry to break it to you. So you have to come home. You have to return. So invitation, leaving, encounter, return. I want to offer that to you as a lens through which to see and understand. So maybe you're sitting here and you're like, oh, my gosh, I've actually done this before. I just didn't know it. Well, now, now, hopefully, you actually have a lens and, and, a, and a way by which to see it coming this time and, and actually mine it for all it's worth as it happens and after it happens. So here are a few of my observations, a couple things I've learned, okay? Um, 46-year-old Micah, I'm wiser than I used to be. I'm not as wise as I will be. Here's what I've got today. My experience with pilgrimage, a couple things. Number one, for me, pilgrimage has been an invitation to step into a river of those who have gone before me. Quite literally, you are entering a practice that Christians have been doing for thousands of years. Which means, Jesus did die for you and would have died for you if you were the only one on the planet, but guess what? You're not. You're a part of a cloud of witnesses that have come before you, whom, whose shoulders upon which you stand. And long after you, there will be more. But today, this is an invitation, this moment where we say yes to this practice, it, it, like we enter a river that has been flowing and is flowing and will be flowing. And there's something beautiful about that. It, 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 it's, it, it highlights the importance of me and the unimportance of me. You know what I mean? When I walked into Santiago this last time, I, upon my journey, I read and realized that that guy right there, St. Francis of Assisi, took pilgrimage to, to Santiago. So, quite literally, I walked the journey that St. Francis walked into the cathedral at Santiago. How wild is that to think about? Now, again, it doesn't have to be Santiago. It could be to Iowa. I don't know who's gone to Iowa. <laughs> right? But you see what I mean. You step into this thing, this river, that's bigger than you, that you participate in, the communion of saints, as it were. For me, pilgrimage has been an invitation from 1.5 to, to 0.75. Who, by show of hands, listens to podcasts at 1.5? This is church. You have to raise your hand if you do, right? Yeah, 1.5. Like, man, we got to get through it. You know, this guy talks too slow. Uh, I only got so much time. So 1.5, that baby. There is a really fun activity that I will tell you. This is not in my notes. If you ever want a really good laugh, cue up your favorite Awaken podcast and hit 0.5. And you will find a completely inebriated Pastor Micah. <laughs> we call it Drunk Pastor. And it is so funny. Find your favorite podcast and just point five it and sit back. Get some popcorn and have some fun. But pilgrimage for me has been an invitation from my life, which is 1.5, right? I drive everywhere I go. I usually speed. I'm like, go, go, go. 
to like, bro, you've got to slow down. You can only walk that fast. And at, at, at 0.75, the, it's a different world out there, you guys. Your neighborhood is a different place at 0.75. There are people in your neighborhood you've driven by for as long as you've been there you've never seen. And when you slow down enough, and this is a practice that forces you to do that, you begin to see the world totally differently. Um... I have a boat, and I like to launch it on the Mississippi River, and I took our staff out there one time on the Mississippi, so we launched in Lilydale, and we went up river, and one of the things that, like, to a person, they were like, I've never seen the city from this perspective. It's a totally different world. Pilgrimage offers that opportunity to see the world, your own world, differently, because you can only go as fast as you can walk. For me, it has been um, an invitation from this to that. And here's what I mean by this. From certainty to mystery. Like I'm, I'm leaning into the mystery of faith and the paradox of God and the, un, the, the, the ineffable, right? I'm, I, it's from independent to interdependent. I actually, I have to depend on the people who are out there, right? Along this path, the Camino, who will be there? Who will provide? I don't know. What will we eat next? I'm not sure. Where's the next town? Well, you do have maps, and there's phones, and they wreck it, you know, in some ways, because you don't have to depend on the people or the way. You can control. So from control to vulnerability, these are the invitations of pilgrimage, which are really good for us. A self-sufficient 21st century, we-can-fix-it people couple more. For me, pilgrimage is an invitation to an embodied spirituality. I'll speak in generalizations and stereotypes for just a moment. I am less in tune with as a male with my body as my wife is with hers as a female. I don't know if that's normal or if you all experience anything like that, but that's been generally true in my observation. Walking and pilgrimage like forces me to engage this body of mine in a way that I don't normally because every faith is always up here in my head and I'm thinking it through and being critical about it and reading a new article and listening to that and trying to figure it all out. And this actually just makes me walk. And when I walk, when I find that my body is engaged in something, this opens up in a new way that it doesn't otherwise. This opens up in a different way than it doesn't, than it doesn't in other, any other way. And I don't know how or why, maybe it's the magic of pilgrimage, but there is a portal that I am able to enter when I enter this. And it's largely due to my body being engaged. Last one. And I didn't, I didn't really know how to say this, and I don't know if this is the best way to say it, but um, it's all I got. Pilgrimage is like Sabbath. It happens to you if you're open to it. Sabbath, for those of you uh, who don't know, in the Jewish culture is Saturday, right? Sun up, sun, sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. It doesn't move. You don't get to decide when Sabbath is. It is what it is. It happens to you. You don't control it. You can't change its time signatures. No, it is this cathedral in time, Abraham Joshua Heschel says, that happens to me if I'm open and available to it. 
With pilgrimage, I would say you don't bring an agenda to it. It happens to you. I didn't know this. I learned this. Uh, my last, this last trip that I came back from, I had a real serious question I needed an answer to. And I, you know, told my cohort buddies, like, here's the question I'm asking, and I need, I need an answer to this on this Camino. So this is what this Camino is about. You know where this is going, don't you? I get on the plane. I turn on this movie. It's a Dutch film about the Camino, about a father and a daughter who walked it together uh, as their mother's, like, last wish. And I hear the whisper of the Lord's voice, and the whisper is, would you walk with your dad? And I'm like, hell no. No, thank you. Not interested. My dad died in 2020. Not a great relationship. Um, not really interested in that, but thanks for asking. You know how God works sometimes. Just like niggling, you know, again and again and again. I keep getting this like sense of invitation, like, will you walk with your dad? A lot of my spiritual life is this moment of fine. <laughs> okay, I'm open. So we get to like day one and I'm sitting in a cafe and I'm writing in my journal and I write, okay, I'm open. One of, on the bus ride there, the, there was a song that they played by a bird talker, Leave What's Heavy Behind, if you've heard that one. And the invitation was like, maybe, it, maybe it's an opportunity you, you for, to leave what's heavy behind. And I just heard the Lord say, no, actually, I'm going to ask you to bring what's heavy with you. <laughs> and so I said, okay. And I'm open to walking with my dad. And the, like almost immediately, I, I hear, and I don't know how this works, you guys. Like You can probably poke holes in it, whatever. Um, I'm imagining my dad's voice. Yeah, that's actually what's happening. I'm imagining my dad's voice, and what I hear is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not being the dad that you needed when you needed it. I'm sorry for not doing my own work so that I could grow and mature. I'm sorry that I could only take you so far. I'm sorry that I hurt you. And I'm hearing my dad, like, say these things to me because he never had the chance to. One of the other days I heard him just whispering, like, keep going. I'm so proud of you. I'm watching you go further than I could, and I'm like, I'm, I'm blessing you. And I never saw any of that coming. But that's pilgrimage. When you say yes to this practice, it happens to you. And it may not be what you expect. Sometimes it isn't, sometimes it is. But there is a beauty and a depth, uh, an invitation for you to say yes to. So... I'm going to close this morning, and I want to share with you three particular ways in which, as a community at Awaken, we're going to invite you to enter into this. You don't have to participate in these, but you can do pilgrimage as a practice on your own. But here are three ways we're going to, we're going to offer. The first of which is um, a spiritual formation retreat in April of next year, April 5 to 7, and it's specifically about spiritual formation. It is your journey, and we want to come alongside of you and help you grow and go deeper and further into the mystery that is God. So we're going to take a little pilgrimage to the south in Farmington, and we'll hang out there for a few days and retreat together. It's not quite Iowa, but almost. <laughs> we, are, we are going to walk an urban Camino in our city in, um, in May. Confirmation students, it's required of them. <laughs> for the rest of you, it's by choice. 
And we're gonna, it's, it'll be a justice walk, uh, a journey of justice in our city. And so we're going to walk from here up to the cathedral and then through Rondo and Summit neighborhood and ask, like, why are some people here and other people aren't? And who was here and why aren't they here anymore in the Rondo neighborhood? Then we're going to walk to George Floyd Square in Minneapolis on the second day. And then we're going to f- walk back to Mendota Heights, uh, St. Peter's Catholic Church, if you know the big Catholic steeple that's uh, across from Fort Snelling. That overlooks the creation story of the Dakota people. Badote. And that's the first Catholic church in Minnesota. And it was, it was planted, it was built on top of that sacred site, which says a lot about power, right? So that's a journey we're going to take together for three days. And then finally, um, we're going to take, for those who are interested, a trip to the Camino in Spain next fall, October 1st to the 12th. Um, it's going to be a small group of people this year. Uh, for the first one, um, so there'll be an application process, but maybe today you're sensing an invitation to come, come and walk the Camino. Um, on November 26th, if you want to write that date down, Thanksgiving Sunday, we're going to have a, an informational meeting for that trip, and if you want to come and experience uh, or hear more about what it will be and what it will be like and what it costs and all of that, this, November 26th, but next fall we're going back to the Camino. Like I said, there's lots of ways for you to participate in this practice. These are a couple we're offering. But I want to broaden the lens and, and complete this series. This journey is a journey of spiritual transformation. And we think, I think, that if you want a spiritual life that's alive and vibrant and healthy and growing, these are six targets that you might intend at participating in, being intentional about investing in as a way to grow in your faith in your journey of walking with Jesus. So I'm going to offer a word of prayer And then instead of a moment of silence, um, my friend Mike is going to read a poem that my friend Dominic, who was on the Camino with me, just recently wrote about his experience of the way, which is what Camino means in Spanish. So um, pray with me, and then Mike will read this poem, and then we'll uh, close our time with communion. God, we take just a moment to be still and quiet our hearts and listen to these words. Um, A prayer, a poem, um, a declaration of pilgrimage and what it means to be on it. So, Holy Spirit, do work in us that needs to be done, I pray. In the strong name of Christ and by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Today, the way is easy. Today, the way is rocky. Today, the way is sheltered. Today, the way is barren. Today the way is laughter. Today the way is all questions. Today the way is rejoicing. Today the way is silent. Today the way is joy, is withness, is presence. Today the way is grief, is withness, is presence. Today the way is uphill, is cold beer, is blistered, is a nap. Today the way is mystery, is music, is weeping, is letting go. Today the way is uncertain, is alongside freeways, is alongside rivers, is alongside others who walk with me. Today the way is a prayer. 
Today, the way is one foot in front of the other. Today, the way is my heart. My heart. My humongous, luminous, swinging chandelier of a heart. Today, the way is a long ways from home. Today, the way is home. Today, the way is love. Is love. Is love. Is love. The upside of having a full house is it's really fun to have a full house. The downside is you got to just keep that song going until everybody gets through the line. You know what I mean? It's like the, the song that wouldn't end or REM, it's the end of the world as we know it or something like that. That should be a new REM song, the song that will never end. At any rate, my friends uh, gathered this morning at the church at Awaken, go with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, amen. Grace and peace, my friends. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.